Thank you, Leone. Uh, good morning, everyone. If I haven't met you before, my name's Kurt, one of the pastors here at Wild Street. Uh, I haven't been up teaching the Bible for three months, and so it's exciting to be back. I've preached, you know, I think every four weeks for 17 years, and then I had a big, long break, and so uh, I think what I've recognised is that it's an incredible privilege to be able to do this, um, to sit with you and have us together sit under the Word of God together. And so um, you're going to need to have your Bible open this morning because it's actually a pretty hard passage. So you're going to need your Bible open. We're going to be looking through the Bible together and our aim is to sit under it and have it change us. Um, So why don't I pray and then we'll have God speak. Father God, your word is perfect. You are good. And so will you speak today through your perfect word to us? Will you speak into our lives, into the difficulties, into the struggles? Will you encourage us to become more like Jesus? We pray in his name. Amen. It was really interesting about the kids this morning when Lise got up the front, and not just their response to her not being special, which I think is just wrong. She's so special. Uh, But uh, she asked the question, do you ever have a trouble obeying your parents? Kids' hands shot up. I wonder if I ask the same thing to you whether your hands would shoot up. Uh, Not just your parents, but your boss maybe, uh, or uh, or the health department, or your doctor, or your your pastor. I wonder if your hand would shoot up saying, I really struggle sometimes to submit to authority. See, for some here today, the idea of submitting to authority at least being seen to submit, is actually just what you do. I don't want to presume that everyone here has a massive struggle with submission to authority because I think some of us have these these temperaments where sometimes we avoid conflict and so we just tend to do whatever anyone tells us to do Or, or we come from a cultural or family background where to submit is shameful and so submitting to authority or at least being seen to submit is just what you do. But for a lot of us, uh, we think, no way. We're like the kids. We put up our hands and say, no, I really struggle to submit to authority. I'm my own person. I want to do what I want, when I want, how I want. And in fact, these days, I think when you're like that, you feel more justified than ever doing that. You see uh, corrupt governments, You see abusive bosses. You see pastors who are bullies or immoral. The abuse of power by people in authority in lots of people's minds these days, maybe yours, provides proof that submission to authority is not just naive. It's actually dangerous. See, submission to many in our world today is a dirty word. And so that makes today's passage of Scripture crunch a little bit with our culture, crunch with ourselves as well. But Peter is not going to just call us to submit to good bosses or good parents or good government. He's actually going to instruct Christians to submit to unjust ones as well. And the question is, well, there's lots of questions there. How, why, when should we submit to unjust authority? 
How should we submit to unjust authority? If you're new today, the last three weeks we've been looking at Peter's letter to a bunch of churches in the ancient Near East that were kind of scattered all over the place. Uh, groups of Christians that were suffering for following Jesus. So it says in 1 Peter that they were slandered, that they were ridiculed, that they were accused of evil. And so in response, Peter gives them like a blueprint for how to live as different people in the world. It begins with Peter, through God, reminding, God through Peter reminding them of their identity. He starts right at the beginning and he says that they are elect exiles. He says also they are chosen, that they are holy, that they are saved, that they are forgiven, that they're reborn, that they're priests, that they're royal children of the king. He just rattles off all these ideas of who they are now because they've, been, they've trusted in Christ. He calls them elect exiles, that although they are all these things, at the same time they are exiles, not fully experiencing those things like they will one day in the new creation that currently they live with the hope of the new creation, awaiting Jesus' return. God says through Peter, you are different. He has said to us over these last three weeks, you are different, friends. You're different from the world around you. You are my elect exiles, and God has called you to live differently, to be holy, to be obedient to King Jesus. Now, here's the question. On how do we live different? How do we obey King Jesus in a world full of other kings, other authorities, other human authorities? How do we live for King Jesus in a world full of other authorities? How do those two things go together? Well, one Peter's going to answer this. This little section today is going to kick off in his answer of this. And the first thing he's going to tell us is this. Don't sin, but honour God. So verse 11, don't sin, but honour God. Verse 11 if you've got your Bible there, I'm going to be reading from verse 11 of chapter 2. He says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. God calls these people, he calls us, beloved. If you don't know that yet, you need to know that, that God loves you if you put your trust in christ you are his people he loves you he says to his loved different people reject the world's passions reject the world's way of living abstain he says from sinful desires to do stuff which ignores what god says in his word and takes god's good world and uses it any way we want for ourselves he says because if you don't abstain from that you're waging war against your soul See, one of the lies we're tempted to believe about sin or rejecting God's good way to live our own way is that it is harmless. And when the Word of God tells us not to lie or not to gossip or not to be sexually immoral or not to have bitterness or not to be angry, then we can think to ourselves, it's not really, it doesn't hurt anyone. Sometimes it might hurt anyone, but if no one knows about it, then it's okay. Peter says really clearly here that it does violence to your soul when you sin. Even if it feels fine at the time. See, God does not make up random rules for living. Sometimes you can think that about God, that he's just, 
He's begun the world and he's thought, what's some random rules that I can make up to make these people feel like they're doing the right thing or make myself feel powerful that I've, you know, they've lived according to my rules? No. God tells us not to sin to protect us from hurting ourselves and others. He says, don't sin, but honour God. Verse 12, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honourable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So reject the world's way of living, he says, and live the good life, honour God. Do, it's actually, he says, do good, do good things. Do good for God. And Peter says that if you do that on the day of visitation, and what it means by that is the return of Jesus in the future from us now, those people, the world, will glorify God. Now, it doesn't mean everyone's going to become a Christian on that day. That's not what I'm saying. It's saying on the day Jesus returns, on that day, it will be very clearly seen that the way you lived was in accordance to what God wanted. And so they will recognise the way we lived is for God and they will be forced, in a sense, to glorify God, to recognise his goodness. Peter says, don't sin, but honour God. This morning I'm going to use a bunch of circles up on the screen to try and demonstrate what I think 1 Peter is saying. And so at this point you have two, way, two circles, two ways of living. You have a way of living which has human authority. Uh, that's, uh, that's the world's way of living. And then you have a completely different way of living and that's living according to God's authority, God's way of living. Now, these two ways of living from this passage are in opposition to each other. You either live God's way or the world's way. Peter has said, you've moved from one circle to the other. You, you, you were that. You lived under the world's way of living, but because of what Jesus has done for you, you've now moved to live with Jesus as your king, living his new way as his different people. Now, that sounds simple. But how do we live when we live in a world of not two separate circles, like two separate spheres of life, but where these two circles overlap, not completely, but they overlap, where we have God as our authority, but at the same time we have human authority in the world, where God is our boss, and yet at the same time we have human bosses, and we have governments, and we have doctors, how do we live in the overlap? Well, that's where Peter's going to go here. And Peter's next going to tell us we need to submit to God by submitting to human authority. Or su submit to human authority as to the Lord. So verse 13, he says this, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Now let me start by clarifying the word Submit. Because uh, it can often be misunderstood what, exactly what he's talking about when he says be subject to, the idea of submission. The idea in 1 Peter, and in, particularly in this verse here with this idea of submission, is that it's not forced submission. It's not what we'd call subordination. Here in 1 Peter, to be subject or to submit here to means to, in freedom, voluntarily come under the authority of another to choose in freedom to come under the authority of another. And so Peter says to Christians, freely choose to come under the authority of bosses, 
teachers, parents, police, doctors, government, pastors. He's saying, don't think because Jesus is my king, you know, Jesus is the king, you can just cut off and reject all human authority. As in, it's just me and Jesus and I do whatever Jesus tells me to do. Because you know what Jesus wants you to do? He wants you to obey human authority. So you can't get past it. Now, as soon as I've said that, you might be thinking to yourself, well, but what if my boss, but what if, what if, what if my boss tells me to some, do something that Jesus tells me not to do? Notice it says there, for the Lord's sake. All your submission to human authorities is ultimately coming under the authority of Jesus, submitting to Jesus. And so it's like Jesus is standing above and behind everyone from your boss to the police to the government. And so if your boss tells you to do something that God is, not, is, is against what God would have you do, you should do what God wants, no questions. Because Jesus is your ultimate boss. But where it is not something that God has not said do not do or something he's encouraged you to do, then you submit to God by submitting to human authority. Submitting in the overlap. So keep reading. Verse 14. Whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. So he's saying here, live, as God, live God's good way, not because of the power of the people you serve, whether it's an emperor or a governor, but because the God who is standing behind them, the ultimate God who's in charge of everything. Verse 15, for this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. See, because Christians will live differently in the world, because we're living God's way, People can sometimes look at us and think those Christians are not good for this world because not living for this world, they're not good for this world. But Peter says, when you do good for God in that overlap by submitting to human authorities, when we work hard for our boss, when we pay our taxes, when we respect and listen to police, when we serve our elderly parents, Peter is saying here, it can shut the mouths of our opponents. So they actually struggle to accuse us of evil. Verse 16. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. See, when Christians say, Jesus is alone my boss, I Jesus alone is my boss, I don't care what my boss says, I don't care what the government say, I don't care what my parents say, Peter says that can often be a cover-up for actually doing what you want. <laughs> I do whatever Jesus wants. Is actually what you, you want. You, you just want to do what you want and you reckon Jesus will do what you do because Jesus looks a hell of a lot like you. Peter says we've been set free. Why? To be slaves of the Lord. To do his work. To do his, live his way. And so he says use our free choice to submit to God by freely choosing to submit to human authorities. Verse 17, honour everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honour the emperor. It's kind of like a nutshell, he kind of pulls it together. All these different relationships we're in, how do they all fit together? He says, honour every human, 
including the emperor, honour the emperor, love your church, but ultimately fear God. For he is the ultimate authority. Be in awe of God. Submit to God by submitting to human authority. Now that sounds simple enough, doesn't it? You, you do what you're told or you don't. You do what you're told. But just thinking about this, I had a good, it wasn't, it wasn't until this morning I thought about this a lot. I was thinking, I reckon there's a bunch of fake ways we submit as well. Where we, where we, on the outside, we're doing the whole submission thing, but on the inside, we're not really. For instance, at work, if you are doing what your boss says on the outside by actually doing what he says, but at the same time, you are gossiping with co-workers about how useless he is, or she, who'd be, I'm just thinking he, but anyway. It's not submitting. If you are passive-aggressive, you're doing what they said, but at the same time you're not doing some other things that they asked you to do before because you think they're distracted by the first thing. You are not submitting. If you are failing to give your boss information to help them make better decisions in order, because you know that if you don't tell them that, they're actually going to be made to look stupid... You're not submitting. It, it's what I call fake submission. You, you're looking the part, you're actually setting it. It's a power move over your boss. Submit to God by submitting to human authority. Let me ask you, are you an obedient employee, citizen, patient, church member? Are you consistently obeying authority as an expression of your obedience to God? See, sometimes living God's good way in the overlap will actually silence our critics. But the reality is, outside the overlap, it's not as easy. See, how do we respond when those over us are not just useless, but actually unjust? actually treat us unfairly. Well, Peter gives two particular relationships where living this out is extremely hard with unjust authority. This week, we're going to consider the slave-master relationship of the ancient world. Peter says to slaves, he says, submit to God by submitting to unjust human authority. And verse 18, servants, be subject to your masters with all respect not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Now, as soon as we start talking about slavery, it's a very foreign concept to people in Australia. In some parts of the world, sadly, it's not. In many parts of the world, sadly, it's not. But to us in Australia, it's a very foreign concept. You would have seen books, you would have read movies, in particular about African American slave trades uh, and how evil that was. Back in the ancient Near East, slavery was a bit more diverse than that. Uh, you did have inhumane practices like the African-American slave trade, those sorts of practices, but at the same time, you did have other forms of slavery where people would live within the household and to be a slave was almost a, just a form of employment in order to survive. So you didn't have government help back then, you didn't have all these social security systems, and so to be a slave was actually a way to survive, to have your family survive. And slaves were considered a normal part of the household. 
And so there were all these diverse experiences of slavery back then. In some senses, it doesn't really matter because Peter instructs all of those people and he says, addressing Christian slaves, serve your master. Not just the good one, but the unjust one as well. Now that's a really hard word, isn't it? Submit in obedience to the unjust master. And so it's important to clarify how a word like that, between slaves and masters, actually applies to us now, isn't it? We could think, firstly, we are not slaves in the same way, so we could just ignore it. We go, oh, that's just an old, old part of the Bible that's got nothing to do with us, and so we just move straight along. But I think it fails to consider the broader point Peter's making, that, making about submission to human authority, that we should be willing as Christians to submit to human authority even if it's unjust. And so what is it saying to us? Is it saying Christians should never quit a job when the boss consistently treats you badly? Is it saying that we should not speak up when a university lecturer uh, basically shames us in front of the entire class for believing in Jesus? It could. But let me give you some other equally godly considerations or aspects, biblical ideas to consider when trying to come up with an idea of how to actually play this out in your life. Questions which really are versions of the bigger question, that is, does submitting to this authority prevent me from submitting to Jesus? The first question is this, does your submission lead to other vulnerable people being hurt? Will your submission lead to other vulnerable people being hurt? This could be co-workers, it could be other students, it could be your kids. If my submission to an unjust authority brings further injustice to vulnerable people, then at that point I'm failing to live like Jesus because Jesus cared for vulnerable people. Secondly, does my submission require a level of idolatrous devotion to that authority that I fail to take care of other God-given responsibilities? Does my submission to that uh, require such an idolatrous level of authority, like devotion to an idolatrous level of devotion to authority that I fail to take care of other God-given responsibilities? That is, when we submit to a boss who asks us to do above human... uh, He gives us a workload that's well beyond human capacity and that leads us to be unable to care for our families or our kids or our church family, then at that point we we are not submitting to Jesus. We've been... We couldn't be... We've been bought into this idolatrous kind of almost cult where your boss is God and you are forced to actually worship him with all your time. So you see, it's that question, isn't it? Jesus is the ultimate person we submit to. We submit to him ultimately. And so what's in that overlap? What's in the box? Now, I want to be clear here. These should never be just excuses for getting out of submitting. We need to be really careful with that because we can really trick ourselves very quickly 
into thinking that. We need to recognise there is complexity that requires wisdom in applying these practices. In some senses, I don't think any of these questions are ones you do by yourself because our hearts deceive us all the time. These are the sorts of questions as you're working out how to live in the world, how, whether to submit to your boss or not. These are the stuff you do in Bible study together with, with Christian mates, with your pastor. This is the stuff you need to do in community. So please don't work through these things alone. For some, submitting to unjust authority will mean working hard for your boss even when, because of your Christian faith, he continually overlooks you for promotion. Because you don't go out partying on a Friday night with the boys, he ignores your ideas when you're in a staff meeting. It means submitting to him even then, doing good even then. For some, it'll mean honouring your parents in a home where your parents completely ignore you. They give you the silent treatment because you don't come and worship the family idols. Submit to God by submitting to unjust human authority. It's actually a hard word and it makes us ask the right question, that is, why God? Why do you want us to do that? First reason. He gives three reasons. Number one, it pleases God. Verse 19. For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure. But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. He said, why do we do it? It pleases God when a people, his people, are not driven by doing things out of fear of the master or fear of the boss or fear of punishment. But even when they are treated unjustly, they continue to do God's good. Even it says here, in the extreme circumstances that they are beaten for it, they suffer for it. Now, is Peter here saying that it's okay for masters to beat their slaves? No, he's not saying that. Is he saying that Peter's saying, is Peter saying we should just put up with abusive bosses? No. He's saying if the slave can endure for God, then it is pleasing to him. If he endures suffering because of his position that he's in, it's pleasing to God. Now, we have to ask, why? Why does God, why is God pleased when a Christian suffers? Reason two, he has called you to be like Jesus. Verse 21, for to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. Peter is saying, when God called you. That is, when you recognised who Jesus was and you put your trust in him and came to him in faith, when he enabled you to respond to the gospel and trust Jesus, it wasn't just a call to go to heaven. It was actually a call to become conformed to the image of Jesus himself. And so that's why God can say that it's pleasing to him when Christians suffer for doing good. It's because when we suffer for doing good, who do we look like? We look like the one that pleases God most. And that is Jesus. A way of life seen most clearly in the cross. So verse 22, he committed no sin. 
this is kind of referring to Isaiah 53 we read before, 800 years earlier. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Now, Peter is referring to Isaiah 53, which was written 800 years before Jesus, which spoke about what Jesus would do on the cross and the lead up to the cross. And so he's describing here how Jesus suffered through his Roman trial before his execution. He was mocked by soldiers. He was mocked by the religious leaders. He was unjustly persecuted for crimes he didn't commit. And all the while, as he did that, he didn't fear the people playing, but he didn't pursue playing judge over them and bring their condemnation. But he entrusted judgment to God. Peter says, be like Jesus and do good for God, even in the face of injustice, because it pleases God, because he called you to be like Jesus, and thirdly, because Jesus suffered unjustly for you. So verse 24, he himself bore our sins on his body, in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. If this morning you are new to Christian faith, this is the part of the passage which should have your ears prick up. Jesus suffered unjustly. He died on a Roman cross, not because he did anything himself wrong, but he suffered unjustly. He was cursed on that cross for you so that you and I would not be, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. We might have a new right relationship with God that our wounds caused by our own sin and rejection of God might be healed by his undeserved wounds. Verse 25, for you were straying like sheep, but now you've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Since this picture of rejection of God, this idea of straying sheep, we did not want to submit to God But Jesus, a shepherd, submitted his life for us, for those who rejected him, that we might be restored to God, that we might be embraced by our loving Father again. If today you have not accepted what Jesus did for you to restore your relationship with God through his death on the cross, then please allow those pricked up ears as you heard that this morning to take root in your heart. Talk to someone, respond to Jesus yourself and say, I want to know you. But if you have, Peter is saying, do good for God, even in unjust suffering. Why? Because Jesus suffered unjustly for you. And to the degree you know that deep in your soul, you will have the humility to submit when you know that Jesus did that for you, you're humble to the ground, aren't you? So you won't look at your dodgy boss and think, there's no way I could sit to him, he's such an idiot. He's done this, he's done this, he's done this, he's so immoral, I could never submit to him. Jesus submitted for you. To the degree you know that, you'll have the encouraged to endure suffering, knowing that the same Jesus who died is the same one who rose, and now he is the judge, 
And so we can entrust judgment instead of needing to bring it on our boss ourselves in return for what they've done to us, we can now entrust judgment to King Jesus. Jesus suffered unjustly for you. That you might follow him and submit to human authority even when you suffer for it. Friends, it's not easy to be different. To submit to human authority when they ignore you, when they tease you, when they mock you, when they ridicule you, when they, when they prevent you getting ahead in your career. or I know you want to pull away and you want to have a go back or you want to fake submit and engage in quiet political games to try and manipulate the situation so that they don't get away with it, like gossip or passive aggression. I know you want to fake submit. But this is not about your boss. Submitting to God, it's not about your boss, it's not about your parents, it's not about the government. This passage today is about you and Jesus. Are you going to submit to him? Are you going to honour him? Are you going to serve him, submitting to him by submitting to human authority? Not because we have to, or because they've done something to deserve it. But because that is the call of King Jesus on your life. You have been empowered by Jesus to follow after him. The Jesus who submitted his life for you. Let me pray. Father, this is a hard word. It's a hard word because we live in a world where power is so, so clearly corrupted, where authority is really, really difficult to trust, because we live in a broken world of sinful people and bosses are not great and government isn't great sometimes. And so we ask you to give us, just give us the humility we need because of what Jesus has done for us to submit to those over our authority over us. Help us live such good lives, Lord, that we silence the people who accuse us of evil. And when we do suffer for it, Lord, help us entrust it to you. Help us entrust it to you, Jesus. You are the ultimate judge. Help us to not do fake submission or try to get back politically against people in authority over us, but help us to pursue good, to serve those in authority above us that ultimately, God, you might be glorified. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.